welcome to this podcast in a series developed by the Nebraska Juvenile Justice Association. NJJA is a 501c3 not-for-profit public benefit association. The mission of NJJA is to improve services to youth in the juvenile justice system by serving as a resource for collaboration, leadership development, and education for juvenile justice system professionals and interested stakeholders. Our efforts are greatly enhanced with the generous support of the Sherwood Foundation. Please visit our website at njja.org to see a list of upcoming podcasts, as well as the opportunity to revisit those podcasts previously recorded. We welcome your thoughts as to, to potential podcast topics and interest. Welcome to the Juvenile Justice in Nebraska podcast, produced by the Nebraska Juvenile Justice Association. Um, but hey, Joe, we're really happy to have you today. Um, we're, we're Joe Roberts here, a.k.a. the Skid Row CEO. Um, we are so excited to have him. He's going to be one of our keynote speakers um, at our conference in May. Um, he's going to be on Friday, I believe. Yes, perfect. Um, Joe, Joe, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of talk with you here, going to learn a little bit about you, um, but we don't want to learn too terribly much um, because we want to save every, everything for, for the conference. So, um, Joe, I got to tell you, we I, I went through your some of your bios and, and read some of your, your uh, excuse me, I watched some of your clips. What a tremendous story. Um, it's just a, just a, a neat thing to see and, and learn and, and I'm excited about today's podcast. Well, I'm, I'm excited too. I mean, uh, I get to speak to all, all over the place, insurance companies and uh, bankers and uh, getting an opportunity to speak to people who, you know, really had a hand in my transformation. You know, I often say I'm the byproduct of over 10,000 people. Wow. I'm, it's not like I pulled my socks up and got on with it. I'm here today because I had the support, I had access to the resources I needed when I was very vulnerable. Yeah. Well, Joe, let's let's kind of dive in there. Um, we also have, I'm sorry, Joe, we have Tammy um, here with us as well. She's going to chime in from time to time. Um, but, you know, with that, Joe, let's kind of, let's hear your story. Let's kind of um, give us a, a snip of, of kind of, you know, what we're going to expect uh, come May. Well, I think that the, the thing I do best in a room is connect people to purpose and passion. And mm-hmm. I just do that by simply sharing, a, you know, three components of a lived experience story, the story into, um, you know, a life of degradation and despair, um, substance use disorder, mental health, homelessness, youth homelessness, right. uh, interactions within the, uh, the criminal justice system. Then part two is, you know, the second chance which uh, I think is, is what everyone in the sector is, is trying to provide and, and championing, right, is, is to, to help, help people get the traction they need. Um, I got that second chance. I went back to school in less than, uh, you know, as I graduated with honors, that was the other thing. I walked oh, wow. around for a lot of years um, thinking that I was a dumb kid, and I wasn't. As soon as I applied myself and, you know, stepped through that, that emotional uncertainty, and that, it turns out I was, I was a pretty bright kid and yeah. I graduated with honors. I went out into the business community and in less than 12 years, I was, um, I was a celebrated entrepreneur. Wow. But I, I think the thing that people are really intrigued by mm-hmm. and, uh, is that uh, I left the corporate world. I, was, I really wanted to do something to speak to some of the big issues facing um, young people in, in both Canada and the United States. And I, so I started to do advocacy. I started to speak out and share my story. And in 2016, 17, I did a national engagement project that saw me push a shopping cart, 9,000 kilometers oh, wow. across North America. 
And now, of course, the shopping cart is that symbol of chronic homelessness, the thing we're trying to avoid for every young person. So it's a it's a pretty incredible story. I mean, who doesn't love an underdog story? Right. right. It's it's the story that speaks to the work that dedicated professionals um, in the justice uh, sector uh, are engaged in every single day. And I'm I'm one of you know, thousands of individuals and families who are touched mm-hmm. um, by those by those folks. So I think there's, you know, people are going to, they're going to be moved. I've, I also got a bit of a dark sense of humor, so we might have a <laughs> chuckle or two. Well, and you know what? That's perfect because this this audience, the, the, the demographic that you're going to be speaking to is that's who they are. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, that's great to hear. Um, Joe, I mean, you, you talk about you overcoming adversity and everything that you have have, have been through. Um, you know, I, I when I went to your page and, and I was reading through it and updating myself, um, I was amazed of how young you were when you first um, you know, got into the, the you know got into your troubles. Um, you know, I, I it, it's been a lifetime of of um, adventure for you, Joe, and um, it's re- really inspiring to see. Yeah, and 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 it's sad that that I represent a statistic mm-hmm. of young people who experience similar challenges due to family conflict and early childhood trauma. And I was lucky. I had, you know, I I was, you know, I had these big things happen in my life. And began experimenting with drugs when I was nine. Nine. Very young. Nine. Very young. Yeah. And by the time I was 15, you know, I was getting into a world of trouble. And I often say um, to folks when I share my story is that the stuff that was happening at 15 wasn't what was happening at 15. The stuff that was happening at 15 happened when I was eight, Mm -hmm. happened when I was seven. You know, this is what, you know, informed uh, trauma informed care is, is about. It's about understanding sort of what happened before that happened. But at 15, I was a handful at, at home. I was a handful at school. And I was beginning to, to get into trouble in my community. And um, and it all happened really quick. And there's parts of my story where, you know, there could have been something done. And I, and I don't say that from a, for, uh, from a place of regret or a place of blame. Just as a, as a pragmatic business guy, what would I have done if that was the company I was running? Mm-hmm. You know, we would have plugged that hole. We would have, we would have done something different. Yes, and so when I got a, an opportunity to speak to the issues, that's what I was most interested in talking about was what can we do so that other young people who experience these challenges get the best shot at transitioning safely into adulthood and becoming the possibility that they were intended to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you put that in perspective, that's like a third or fourth grader, age nine. That's very young. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're grade three. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, what, um, Joe? What, what was? What would you say was your biggest influence in in turning things around? Um, it, we all got to identify us and find our passion points. And and what what was yours? Well, there was something. There was. I mean, generally speaking, I don't. I don't, don't want to reveal too okay. much. Yeah, great. Yeah, I had. I had champions. I had people who spoke to my possibility when I couldn't see it. And I had access to people who did, who never gave up on me. And that, you know, that to me was, 
And the other thing is I just, I think I was lucky. You know, you've, if you've ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan, yes. when Tom Hanks gets to the end and he says, like, why me? Mm-hmm. Often I feel that way. It's like, I think it was just a combination of luck and people in my corner. And, um, but once I began to get traction, then it changed. Then I, then I began sort of setting goals. You know, your theme is accepting the challenge and moving forward. Mm-hmm. Once I got that second chance, I accepted that challenge and began moving forward in a really um, in a really concentrated way because I wanted to put distance between me and the old life. I, I really wanted to leave that behind. But I mean, if you look at it sort of from a systems perspective, there was people, there was access to recovery emotional support and the deal with the trauma. I had access to education. And then after graduating, I had access to vocation. So those were the pieces that were sort of lined up. To be honest, if I was in the exact same community right now, I don't know if I would be as successful. Sure. With the access to synthetic drugs, mm-hmm. Um, and the opioid crisis that the, the entire, you know, all of North America is facing. I, you know, I, honestly, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, Tammy, have you seen the before and after pictures of Joe? Yes. yes. Huge difference. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't even recognize you. Yeah. Funny you say that, Tammy, because I, um, I will occasionally go down and do service work in my old community. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of them left, but there's a few you guys that were are still rattling around that I knew back in the 80s and I have to like one guy I had to show him my ID wow because I said and, and my my old nickname was Clydesdale and uh your program's too short for that story <laughs> I like I like Skid Row CEO better so <laughs> yeah yeah but I said hey it's Clyde and he goes no it isn't I said yeah it's Clyde he said, no it's not and, I, and so I said look and I showed him the ID and he went <laughs> and we, we got talking and yeah. Huh. Joe, one of the things that inspired me um, after seeing some of your um, work um, online and then also reading about it is your verbiage of accountability. You could have pointed fingers over and over and over again of who to blame, but you also knew accountability of what did you need to take on to make some changes in your life. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think that. Part, part of my recovery journey has taught me that recovery from substance use and addiction is really sort of that it's a, it's a self-centered kind of thing. And so my entire early years, I cast aspersions at everyone but myself. It was easy for me to say it was this or it was that or it was the system or it was, the you know, but when you accept the challenge to move forward, it's really about taking a long, hard look in the mirror and saying, okay, well, wait a minute here. Um, I failed at such a colossal level that everything was sort of burned bare. And I had to, I had to look at what's my part in this. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I believe that that was a turning point for me. Had I not failed as bad as I did, I'm not sure I, I, I would have, you know, if, if everything was, 
Yeah, if I wasn't forced to. It's funny, J.K. Rowling talks about this, about the, the asset of failure, how I literally had nowhere else to go but either into an early grave or turn and face face myself in the mirror and saying, okay, bud, um, you know, th- this is, this is your math to clean up. What are we going to do? And so, yeah, there was, there was, it's very, very important to take that responsibility. But I think that the conversation that I would have with somebody who would, would, would be in the same boat as me is to challenge the behavior, but to support the person. Mm-hmm. And I had people that loved me enough where I was at to support me as a person, but challenge my behavior. And that made all the difference because I could feel judgment, you know, a mile away. And if I feel you're coming at me with instruction that's that's laced in judgment, I would shrug you off and blow you off. I, I had no time for that. But if I felt you had my best interest at heart and you had instruction for me, that's a completely different story, right? So so you you literally literally had to hit rock bottom before um, you're able to make, the, make those changes. Yeah, that was my journey. However, I think that you can raise people's bottoms. And- that you, was, don't, you don't have to end up pushing a shop. And this is the thing. This is what the push for change was all about. You don't have to push a shopping cart in the downtown east side. In fact, if we wait, you know, if we waited that long, we failed. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we failed. But, you know, by the time I was couch surfing, there were there were systemic failures. Mm-hmm. And that was right? my that was my question for you was going to be, you're going to be in front of 400 people that is trying to do that exact thing and ensure that kids don't get to rock bottom and, and try to pull them out. Um, and, and I'm excited to hear how you talk with them and, and not only that, but let them know how they can do that better. If that makes sense. Yeah. If some of it is a mindset and, and some of it is, 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 uh, yeah, but it's, it's seeing possibility when possibility is hard to see. See, you look at those before and after photos, mm-hmm. that photo of me before would challenge your belief on the guy sitting here having a conversation with you today. Mm-hmm. Probability is very low, but the possibility is yes. So every single person that we work with, the possibility of transformation is yes. It's a binary thing. You see, it's yes or no. We get tethered from that. We get worn out. We get burnt out. It is, and, and people's behavior will challenge us. And then we'll put them into that column of probability. Probability is, is an entirely different thing, but it's how we evaluate stuff most often. We don't use that imagination side of our brain where we're thinking and seeing and speaking possibility. The likelihood of a 49-year-old non-athlete pushing a shopping cart across Canada isn't very likely. It's not very probable, but it's possible. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's about a mindset, a leadership mindset and seeing possibility, even when it's hard to see and speaking possibility. Right. And, and we also have to understand that we're responsible for 50%. Right? We do the very, very best we can. And then some of it has to become none of our business. We just kind of have to. Yeah. And it, it sounds cold and detached, but I haven't been around the recovery community for 32 years. Um, I don't know who's who's going to make it to their one year or five year. I do my best to say what, what I can do or to help and support folks. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, plant those seeds. 
Definitely. And the thing is, is I'm hoping that you'll be able to give that message to our audience because a lot of the youth that need to be hearing your message and other dynamic speakers' messages, they're not the ones sitting in the room. But the people who are working with them are sitting in that room. So it's looking at how can we convey that message effectively to those folks to get to get the right message to those kids so there can be more of a, a possibility. I had a an aha moment on the streets of Vancouver when I was at the lowest point in my life. Mm-hmm. And I won't tell the story because I'm gonna share it there. So you're gonna have to come. But, <laughs> get there. But it was it was it was a somewhat of a stranger who who did what we need to do day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And that's to see possibility sometimes where it's hard to see and speak possibility. Because we don't know when our actions are going to have a life transforming effect. Mm-hmm. We've got to show up every day. We got to suit up every day and we got to plant seed. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, the other thing is one of the other things that I, I often say to Folks that are working in the sector or police or fire or ambulance or people who work inside corrections or probation and parole is that there's probably success stories you don't know about. I know I've sat in a room in Chicago. I've sat in rooms in L.A. and New York where there's 40, 50,000 people in recovery who all went through the system, but maybe didn't go back and say thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a lot more good than, than we see. Right. Mm-hmm. But we. We, we tend to have a, a focus on a double negative bias. We really, the, 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 the heartbreak stories, they, 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 they haunt us and live with us for a long time, you know? Joe, what, what is the Push for Change Foundation? So the Push for Change was the 9,000-kilometer yep. walk okay. across Canada. Yep. And so the Push for Change Foundation today, we got a large uh, uh, sum of money gifted to us when we finished the walk across Canada. So it took me 17 months to walk across oh Canada. And and I, and I, and yes, I did walk through one Canadian winter. So, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a tough breed up here. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but um, today what we're involved in is, is youth empowerment. The biggest asset that came out of the walk across Oh, Joe, one second, Joe. Joe? Across country. Yeah. We, we lost you here. Oh, you did? Okay, now we can hear we, we you We got again. you now. We got you back. Can you repeat back? Okay. Just the last couple of words there. Sure. So the, the push for change was um, what we're doing today is the walk across Canada, the greatest asset was how the youth got involved and it was what they did in the communities that we walked through how they you know raised money they did sleep outs they supported mental health initiatives they supported youth at risk initiatives they supported their local shelters and their local organizations that support uh, youth at risk so today what our foundation does is we hand out grant money to groups of students throughout schools throughout the country to support youth empowerment projects that address one of the many, many issues uh, that is an antecedent to youth homelessness. Mm. What we're trying to do is empower young people to, one, engage in their local community uh, charities and resources, two, um, engage and do something, and three, 
So learn something about themselves and and the issues. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of inspired every year when we get the applications, what, what young people are doing in their communities. And we leave it kind of wide open and they come up with these incredibly creative projects. Um, group in, in, um, in BC, we just gave a five or gave $5,000 grant to a while ago. They had uh, their mom's van and they went around in their community and they as students engaged other young people mm-hmm. and then gifted them with, things that they might need like hygiene products and combs and toothbrushes and different things. And these people were obviously street involved. So that's a project that we, you know, we really liked. And, and so we, we provided a grant. So that was a bit of a a long version of, of who we are, but that's that's the legacy of of the push push for change is to continue to try and get students involved and young people involved. Yeah, and and I simply wanted to ask because I I was interested in in what it was. Um, obviously, you're doing some amazing work, Joe, and and that's just another piece of of you know how you, how you're going about doing it. So, um, really neat. Congratulations to to you for that. Well, it's really the kids. I yeah, mean, sure. all I did was put a pair of sneakers on and push a contraption across the country with the, <laughs> that's the kids. That's all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The the kids were amazing. You know, I could go on and on and on about how, you know, so many of them inspired us. A lot of times there's this notion that young people are disengaged. They're not or they're ap- apathetic. They're not. They're simply waiting for someone to invite them to something. And if you invite them to something, they show up with courage. They show up with energy. They show up with creativity. And they bring themselves and their big hearts with them. And they'll absolutely, they blow my mind every single time um, we give them something to do and they, and they, they pick up the torch and run with it. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's quite inspiring to, to see that that's, you know, part of the, the legacy of the push for change. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Well, Joe, we're at 20 minutes already. I can't believe it. Um, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time, uh, but it, it, for, and I, I have to say one thing too, Joe, I dig that blazer. That blazer you got on is, is yeah, you like that? I really do. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, the Joe, governor, the governor general of Canada, give me that. Nice. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But so. Joe, yeah, no, thank you so much, Joe, for jumping on today. Like I said, it, we just kind of wanted to learn a little bit more who you know who you are and and hear a little snippets of your story. Um, you know, we're so excited to get you down in in May. And have you ever been to Nebraska before, Joe? I think I've been through, but not. That's usually the right answer. That's usually the answer we get. Yeah, we've been through, but I can't say as I've I've actually been down there to work with a group. So I'm I'm kind of excited to put a pin in the map. And yeah. you know, we've chatted a little bit before. I'm I'm really thrilled and excited to get get a chance. Like I say, I speak to all different kinds of groups. You know, the underwater basket weavers in northern Vermont and whatnot. <laughs> but. <laughs> Get, getting an opportunity to speak to this group is it's it's really where my heart is, and I know that folks when they attend, they're going to come out of that room seeing the world differently. They're going to feel inspired um, because I think it's the thing that we collectively are trying to to accomplish together, which is a better future for every single young person. So. Yeah, I look forward to being there on on the fifth of May. Yep, and and the fr- Friday is a, a great day. Um, it's one of those days that you, you you know you have so many professionals there. They're they have so much stuff going through their head because they just sat through a conference. And um, Friday is a, a great way to end and a great a great conference. And we're looking forward to having you there, Joe. 
Yeah, my pleasure. So everybody that's listening, uh, May 3rd, 4th, and 5th, registration is open. Um, go ahead and jump onto our website, ndja.org, and, and make sure you register. We're seeking sponsorships and, and exhibitors. Um, so please take take some time and, and get signed up. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to have you. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, and I uh, look forward to seeing you down in, is it, you say it, Kearney? Kearney. Kearney. Kearney, Nebraska. And please, please. Kearney. Please tell Maria thank you as well. She's been great to work with. Yeah, she's a gem. She's she'll be with wonderful. Me. Wonderful. Yeah. Thanks so much, Joe. Appreciate your time. She's coming with you? Yeah, she'll be. She travels everywhere. Otherwise, I get into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, Joe. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, my pleasure. Take care. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. See you. Bye bye.